AI is that it can process all of the information that has been given, including misinformation. It cannot read your mind. It cannot read your feelings. It cannot read your heart. It can't read your wishes. It can't read your dreams unless you've written them all down. The world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michelle Mack. Hello and welcome back to the second part of my talk with marketing and AI expert Christy Collins, CEO of FactFinder. Let's jump right back into our intriguing exploration of the world of tomorrow. Welcome back, Christy. Oh, thank you. We've been talking a lot about your company and what you are doing out of Munich. So, I mean, you came to Germany, quite frankly speaking, a lot of people would expect you in an American software company because... uh, it seems like the Americans are so much better than the Europeans uh, are. What challenged you? Was it just the beautiful mountains of Bavaria? Do you see uh, really uh, there are companies around which can um, take on the battle with uh, great corporate American companies? Yeah, I think of a, of a Munich-born company called Salonis. And that company is a, a company that I see really taking um, a lot of power and uh, doing much better than American companies. This is a really interesting company that has come up. uh, I worked with them a bit as a partner of SAP at one point in time, and the work they've been doing is just extraordinary. They've grown from, I don't know, when I met them, I think they were 15 to 20 people, and now they are a worldwide company with you know thousands of people working for them. So that one is one that I say is a really interesting company that's born out of Munich, and uh, the founders there have done an amazing job really growing and making impact even into the U.S., Talking about growth, I mean, you just recently joined FactFinder, but you were saying earlier that it's over 20 years already in the market. Having acquired a, a Scandinavian company, how did you grow in terms of people working for FactFinder? So, yes, we are a company that is now around 150 people, and they are really based between Fortsheim, Stockholm, and the London-Cambridge area. We do have some people who live in Italy. We also have some people in Spain now as well. But these are our big offices, Fortsheim remaining the... Oh, also Berlin. I shouldn't forget our developers in Berlin. Um, our team in Berlin, is, it's an amazing development team as well. So really, um, the company was born and really still primarily the majority of our customers are in the dock region, but really excited about this Nordics expansion, um, which also helps us in the UK. As well. Is it still difficult to get good people having a software company growth? I mean, a lot of times you do hear that we are dependent on the east of uh, Europe to get good developers and IT people in, or is it in your field of expertise quite okay ish being in Scandinavia, Berlin, and England? Yes, and um, you know, I think it depends on the time as well. There were it was two years ago we were having a difficult time getting strong talent, but uh, the end of the year last year and the beginning of the year this year we were really able to speed up and get some momentum, getting great talent in. A lot of this has to do with our new branding, our marketing efforts, the way we talk about our technology that makes it a lot more attractive to people. Um, but some of this also has to do with the relaxing of the market and and people being out looking for for new jobs. So um, I would say when I started at the company, it was more difficult. But now with this 
more international recognition with this expansion, with the technologies that we're promoting, it makes us a more attractive employer. So let's move on a little bit about um, AI in general and about authentic AI, how you call it. In which areas of your life are you personally currently using AI? And um, can you give us a differentiation between um, the authentic AI, you call that, and the plague box of AI in general? Uh, what is the difference? You know, the areas of my life where I personally use AI, um, Netflix, translators, chat GPT, online shopping for sure, uh, Spotify, how I listen to music, YouTube recognizes um, what I might want to listen to at different points in time or watch at different points in times. We use a lot of AI we don't even know about. And this is where that black box is, is uh, what is happening behind the scenes that I may not even know about where I am using AI. AI is found in most of the software we use now in some shape or form. So, you know, if you think about where am I using AI, there's probably quite a bit of AI that is in use that is just not... Um, seen by me. That's where the black box is. And yeah, it's something that you know, I believe we should continuously work on to make sure that people can trust the AI. And how do you trust something if you don't know about it, if you can't see what it's doing or you can't understand it, what it's doing? And this is um, you know, something that we need to think about too when you think about regulations that are being talked about now related to AI. Um, in order for governments to start regulating the technology, they have to understand the technology. And technology should really be regulated by people who really understand AI and understand data in general. They need to understand what AI is, what it is not, in order to ensure our security and security of the world we live in. This is something that I think about quite a lot in when I'm thinking, mm, this may be some AI feature, but I don't know, how do I find out? And what does that mean to me? Um, we need to start communicating this better. So when you, I mean, you're obviously an expert. And uh, do you think it will happen in AI the same what happened to the data discussion we had um, earlier between Europe and America? I mean, obviously, Europe is much stricter on data with that act they've been putting into action. Do you think we see in future like a little pin or a little something on a web page saying this is authentic AI or this is AI um, which means only the good of, for you, because I sometimes a lot of people say like, oh my God, we are scared to death by AI using it without knowing it. And um, how would you differentiate your authentic AI to an AI which uh, is a black box, literally? I mean, could you give us an example how the authentic AI differs to an, a black box AI? And do you think we need labeling much more in the future to tell people that we have that kind of good AI? I believe labeling things also helps with trust. And I believe also there are areas that really we should not mix with AI. So anything that can overrule uh, something related to our humanity, our ability to make choices for our own self without interference, the ability for someone to use our images in a way that we can't control. No one should ever be able to use this technology to make decisions for us about our health and our well-being. 
I think about some of the things that are happening to women in healthcare, especially in the U.S. right now, and I believe it's necessary to have some type of mechanism to communicate regarding safety. You don't want to put too many regulations on that because then it slows down innovation, but you also need to be able to keep people safe as well. But I mean, again, how do I realize it as somebody just using, um, buying blue shoes? For, I mean, how do I know that it's an AI? Right now, you don't. You don't. Yeah, right now you don't. You just have to assume that AI is somehow involved now, especially um, when you're buying online. And you think that's going to change in the future? Like, do you think we have a regulatory body who is, like, putting a regulation in? I mean, <laughs> if I think about things like uh, GDPR, um, we know Germany is quite strict around data privacy and um, making sure that uh, humans have control in the way that their data is used their images are used, and how they're processed. Um, so I would imagine that there could potentially be something here that helps with that. I just hope that whatever is put in place by regulators or the government is, is not something that would slow us down. There are countries right now who aren't allowed to use ChatGPT. ChatGPT is pretty safe. There, even ChatGPT4, you can't type certain things in and expect a response for it. It refuses to give it to you out of the safety and well-being of others. So you think uh, what happened to the um, GPDR, I think it's called in English, uh, this GDPR. GDPR. Mm-hmm. So you think that's a good or bad thing, thinking of AI when it comes to AI? I think it's both. And I heard someone on one of your um, podcasts recently talking about this is that, and she was talking about um, the COVID vaccinations and uh, the people who had actually gotten COVID and how they were touching others. And one of the things she talked about is Austria and Germany are so close to each other. They have the same GDPR regulations, but the way Austria was able to report on this was completely different from how Germany would allow the reporting on it. So I think we just have to be good at finding the balance that helps us stay fast and innovative without hurting or harming others. So, I mean, being shortly before Christmas (laughs) and a lot of people going online shopping goods for their beloved ones, um, is it going to be in the future that I'm just getting this one Christmas tree and this one um, Father Christmas or how do you how do you think like the whole uh, AI driven authentic AI um, are we going to be all the same the same in a couple of years having all the same Christmas trees and the same Father Christmases or do you think there still will be room for individualization or is that going to be wish list even being done I mean my children are now 13 and 9 and they always still put like a little paper in front and thinking like uh, Father Christmas comes around and getting the Christmas list so in the future time AI will type that for me and Father Christmas already knows it because he has an email address the thing about AI is that it can process all of the information that it's been given including misinformation and uh, it cannot read your mind it cannot read your feelings it cannot read your heart it can't read your wishes it can't read your dreams unless you've written them all down somewhere we can give me a, a white shirt with a blue touch on it by just clicking two clicks no 
<laughs> I'm a little bit that's afraid a, there. That's you know, a little like bit that. different than a dream. Is that is is a blue shoe your dream? No, it is not my dream. It was just a, a stupid example. But I'm, I'm a bit afraid. You know, I mean, you don't want to know what I click on the internet, so I don't know what wish list comes out of that. <laughs> that's just has nothing to do with your software. Well, there could be a wish list that comes out of that. Your yeah, click I don't want stored. to see that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, the reason I'm asking is because you know, with like using Instagram, and I mean, you're kind of in that bubble that you own these things the things you um, you continuously clicking and I'm a little bit just afraid that it narrows our mind to a great shopping experience of seeing things which you do in an analog business and things you might buy which you wouldn't have bought online because you have a nice shopping assistant who shows you different things so I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about the human factor of technology. Yes, and, and I believe we all should be a bit concerned about the human factor and making sure we, we keep that human factor. I mean, you you hear the research about kids being addicted to, you know, these social media sites, and we really need to make sure that we're taking care. Um, that level of addiction um, isn't good for any of us, and it isn't good for our futures. It doesn't help um, us understand what reality actually is because you could put anything online. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't really reflect the real life that someone is living. It's just the picture they choose to show you. So in terms of losing that human element, I think it's up to us to make sure we don't lose that human element. I certainly don't want to lose that human element, my ability to think. AI will not be able to read your instincts. So you could have an interaction with a person and you know, maybe the history behind that person, AI says, is all okay. They don't have a criminal record. Everything looks good on their Instagram site or TikTok, but you just get a really bad feeling about that person. You can't explain why. You can't explain why that person shouldn't be in your life or maybe one of your children's life, but something gives you that that instinct, and AI will not be able to give you an instinct uh, related to the human element there. Well, I guess the gut feeling will be still a very big motion um, you should carry with you. We won't solve that problem in this episode, but um, <laughs> what are products you are dreaming of being an authentic intelligence professional, I would call you? What are the products you would love to see out there in the market in the future? My dream product, my biggest dream product, and, and some companies are actually part of the way there, but my dream product that would help me in my life that would save me time and energy and make me more efficient would be an AI personal assistant who would schedule my regular hair appointments, doctor's appointments, understand when my fitness training needed to be scheduled, schedule time in my calendar with time to travel around it, and just take care of all of that stuff for me that just eats up so much time in a day. That is my dream. And we have companies that are close that will do some calendaring, task reminders, task management, but it's not really that act of getting those appointments down on the calendar, getting you taken care of, you just have to show up somewhere. That's my dream. And now, obviously, I have to ask the question, being a theme park operator, what are your thoughts of... AI, authentic intelligence options being put into the analog world like a human AI pin. I just recently apparently ordered uh, one of those to be um, delivered in February. So do you see like um, we're going to be all cyborgs in the future, like walking around with wearables and gadget 
um, which are like already programmed with AI I have that intelligence. How do you see the prediction on the analog world and how much would AI and AI-related products be a part of the analog world in the future? Or things like uh, smart tattoos, uh, things like that. Um, yeah, I think that there is a place for this. Um, especially if you think about implanted AI, smart tattoos, people with health issues like diabetes or people who have issues and need to recognize changes in vital signs. I think about uh, detecting a stroke or a heart attack at the very, very beginning or even before it happens, but also keeping it safe enough that we're not going to the handmaid's tale level where you use the predictive for bad. I think about proactive health care versus reactive, the expenses with that, the death or long-term sickness that occurs as a result. And this comes back to how much you really want to know about yourself and about the world that you're in. There is a super cool um, AI implant technology that can pick up neurological signals from the brain of a paralyzed patient and parse out their intent to control cursors, keyboards, mobile devices, wheelchairs, and prosthetic devices. And that type of technology is really interesting because it can change people's lives. It can make their, their life better. It can make their caregiver's life better. With other wearables, um, you know, the thoughts around this, I was wearing um, a ring at one point, and it uh, was a ring that measured my pulse, my sleep, various things about my activity throughout the day. And for me, it ended up constantly pushing me to a stress level. Oh my gosh, I haven't walked enough steps, or I haven't slept enough hours, or my sleep was restless. And And so that pushed me to a different level. And I think for wearables, you have to decide what's best for you, how much information you would like for yourself. I think the interesting thing about the pins is the capability that it has so that you're not hiding behind your phone anymore and you can still experience the world around you in a way that many people don't when they have their phone in front of their face taking videos and pictures all the time. So maybe it gives us a little bit more insight to the world we live in when we're not looking behind a camera all the time. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what products do come out. I do believe, though, that it's going to change our daily life. I mean, just um, seeing how an iPhone changes your life. I mean, I'm walking through the park and a lot of people do have their phone uh, steadily up. It changes when you ride a roller coaster. So that's a good thing about being on a roller coaster because you don't have your iPhone or your telephone with you. Certainly, there are going to be new products coming in with um, VR-related technology. But um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And um, I think what's the takeout of our talk is, like, always use your gut feeling, um, second-guess things. Yes, make life uh, more enjoyable. May the shopping experience be faster. Um, but I think especially when you go back to the uh, analog world, we always should second-guess because I, w I would believe that I would believe a device like that if I meet the person in real life. And the device would tell me that it's a good person or a bad person. Some, I think it, it changes something uh, with you by um, just looking at your Instagram profile or your TikTok saying, like, oh, she's a good person. Um, I think it's going to be a, a glinch of, like, reality uh, merged in with a metaverse, so to speak. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see the yeah, uh, development agree. in the analog world uh, blended in by AI. So I've asked AI what it thinks is the next big development or breakthrough in artificial intelligence will be. I would like to play you its answer and then hear your thoughts and assessment of it. 
Are you okay with that? Yes, absolutely. A promising development over the next few years could be the seamless integration of AI into daily routines, particularly in the realm of augmented intelligence. This refers to extending human capabilities through AI to assist in decision-making without replacing human control. Significant advancement could be made in the field of predictive consumer intelligence. In the future, AI systems might not only comprehend consumer buying behavior but also forecast their preferences and needs. These predictions could then be used in real time to offer personalized recommendations, products, and services tailored precisely to individual customers. Another potential development is the evolution of wearables into health coaches. These devices could become an integral part of an individual's health management. Do you align with what she just said? Yes, I completely align with what she just said, and it's happening now. Um, so it's not even for the future. All of this is happening right now. So we're living in uh, interesting times right now, right? Yes, we really are. Excellent. So you do believe that um, it's certainly that the uh, artificial intelligence and human intelligence will continue to merge? Um, I wouldn't say merge. As we've talked about, that human intelligence still needs to be a big component of everything that we do every day. Humans need to be able to be, or and even to feel like they're in control of their own destiny, let's say. I believe that really what AI will do is replace a lot of the let's say, mundane or more boring tasks that we have to do every day, um, enabling people to really focus on the things that bring higher value and really need that human element, the brain, the emotional aspect, the instinct that we talked about earlier. Taking away those repetitive tasks is still time and energy is key. And also, you know, a bit that was talked about is um, the ability to gather all of the data quickly and to make decisions quickly. There's one customer, a B2B customer that we work with called PBS Holding, and they have really embraced AI. And what AI is doing for them is it's allowing them to see hey, this campaign has worked really, really well. It's paying results. This is not working so well. And it allows them to make changes very quickly. And in the past, they would have had to spend a lot of time and a lot of human power to gather all the data, look at all the data, and then to make a change. And then by then it would have been too late. The trend would have been gone. And so now with AI, we're able to look at data and analyze that data a lot more quickly than we have been in the past and to make changes and make decisions a lot more swiftly. I mean, listening to you, um, it's going to be all fine because you are working with your technology and the technology you created every day. Is there anything out there you think people should be afraid of? Or would you tell a lawyer, start doing something new because AI is going to flourish, or you're going to diminish your job? I mean, people obviously do have fears of new technology. And they say like, yeah, okay, come on, Christy. She told us all the good thing about AI because she want to sell her software. But there might be doubt out there saying like, no, I don't know really um, what exactly is going to happen. Should people be still a bit afraid or do you think it's like, oh, it's going to be all fine? 
I think it depends on what you're afraid of, right? I think there are some things we should be afraid of and, and I'm afraid of. And I can compare this to guns in the U.S., let's say. Um, you know, there's the argument about gun safety and yet there's still a lot of gun violence in the U.S. So, you know, how much of that should be regulated and when should we be afraid? I mean, I think children all over the U.S. are probably a lot more terrified to go to school than I ever was. Um, and this is because of the fact that there's gun violence and there's not enough regulations around guns. In terms of will AI take my job, um, we've done some research here and we surveyed about 300 e-commerce managers and our research showed that 62% of those expected their teams to get larger due to AI adoption. Um, this means that they expect to be able to do more with their human brains and the human element than they've ever been able to do in the past if they can get the AI to take up the more repetitive work. And, uh, you know, it gives them more for less. So do you, do you have moments where you just say it's all too much, like it optimized every minute, every hour? Do you still have that analog moments where you just say, okay, leave it all, I'm going to the ocean and not using any technology at all? And where would you go yes. to have that moment? Well, absolutely. I have to have these moments, and they're required as part of my my daily routines and daily activities. I need to separate. Um, I'm online all day long, especially on phone calls all day long for the most part, and I have to get a clear separation from all of this in order to breathe to think, to be with nature. And where do I go? It really depends on the moment where I am. When I'm in Munich, I can take a walk with my dogs, and I'm certainly not going to be on the phone or looking on the internet or doing online shopping when I'm walking with these two crazy creatures that I have. And, uh, you know, if I'm on vacation, if I'm in the mountains, if I'm ski touring, I'm not going to, definitely not going to be on my phone. I'm going to be breathing in the snow and the fresh air and, and getting a clean mind. And then when I'm at the ocean, I'm, I'm looking at the water. Or if I'm reading a book, most times it's not going to be about technology because I need to take a break and, and reset. Well, I hope that's still going to be for a long time and people obviously do come to theme parks to experience a great analog um, roller coaster ride. And I know you haven't been with us yet, but you're a very uh, heartful invited to come over to see us here in Roost, Freiburg. It's not too far away from Munich. So whenever you have the time and your team, you're more than welcome to join us for a great roller coaster Right. You I answered now that. all my questions. Would you like to ask me something in return? Yes, I would love to, to ask you a couple of questions in return. Um, one question really focuses on Germany, and one um, focuses on some developments at Europa Park. So I will, I will start with the news over the last week about the budget issues facing Germany. We've seen the government ruling and... Um, heard talk about the impact this will have on the German economy, the growth in Germany, and also the impact that it will have on innovation. Do you believe there will be a big growth hit in 2024 and 2025? That's a good question. Um, honestly, I don't know how disconnected or how connected we are still to political issues. I mean, obviously, we don't like the decisions being taken right now from our political parties in Berlin. So far, what we see in the theme park is that a lot of people are still willing to come to the theme park because they need that moment of distraction. 
So um, I would say that a lot of the heavy uh, industry is going to be hit by those decisions. Um, obviously, um, energy costs are a huge thing for a theme park. Um, from the demand of the people, we do see that they're still loving this analog time even more than it used to be um, before. And I was just recently visiting DJ Bobo, one of the greatest Swiss artists, and he said like that he sees a very high demand in his concerts, and he's nearly booked out for 2024. So like um, the prediction is good for entertainment business, and I... I think they will grow to continue just been visiting Disney and Universal in Florida. They've been as packed as they've never been before. But I'm very afraid um, what the decisions could be meaning for all the heavy industries like the car manufacturing or um, other goods where um, I think it's going to be tough times for 2024 and 25. So I do hope that they go straight or that they rethink the decisions being made. Uh, in the last couple of six months and to maybe stop some of them. Yes, we see the same thing and we feel exactly the same way. Um, Yeah, so with the exciting developments that you have at Europa Park, and excuse me if I don't pronounce this uh, correctly, but maybe you can pronounce it for me and and correct me. Rulantica, the upcoming Voltron Nevera, the new solar park, VR rides, how do you believe large language models and AI impact Europa Park? Hmm. I thought you you could give me the answer to that. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, we're watching out carefully about what's happening out there. I mean, we've been the first, at least, European theme park um, implementing VR on our roller coasters back in 2015. I do believe that when the people are in the park, we should concentrate on being a perfect service provider. I'm not quite so sure the way Disney is uh, moving into doing everything on um, language model or data models is the right way to go because you lose a little bit of that service mentality we do have here, especially having a lot of French people and um, to have that extra, you know, mile um, that people just see a smile on their face. I mean, you can optimize a day's park visit and can um, give the people more rides and less queuing time but I think it's all about the experience which is a human interconnection but certainly we do have to think about how do we involve technology into our theme park to not be outdated one day that um, the young generation is saying like oh the Europa Park is is boring like what happened to the trade show people in Germany I mean obviously the Oktoberfest is still doing greatly but mostly because people drink a lot and forget about data models so (laughs) i would just stay in that picture i mean people are not getting drunk with us but they can maybe get drunk of riding a roller coaster and they forget about data models so i think we can optimize it and in the before wizard that people are using um, large-scale models to get the best hotel room to get the best experience out of their day but once they enter our world i think they should be totally immersed by the people and the human interconnection with our staff members and our great rights. So I I hope that the data model won't change a lot. I mean, internet did not change a lot to theme parks. So I'm I'm pretty sure that we're still going to have a good time. But as you said, we have to be careful and and thoughtful about what we're going to implement in the future into the park. That's great. I love it. Seven years from now. So... As always, my last question is, what will the world look like in seven years' time regarding online shopping, marketing, and artificial intelligence? 
Now, well, seven years, it's, it's such a long time in this industry. I look at just what's happened in a six-month period, uh, and I see so much activity taking place, and the results are just incredible. ChatGPT 3.5 to 4, um, this progression was just a, a real leap, and that just took place in six months. What we can say for sure is companies that are slow to adopt AI in some way will be left behind, whether they're a large company or a small company. We have to use AI to automate our repetitive task, provide the personalized recommendations as we talked about earlier, and to make those data-driven decisions with speed and accuracy. In seven years for online shopping, I can't imagine that the search bar would continue to exist in such a prevalent way. However, checks still exist in the U.S. and people still write checks. So I think uh, in some way we have to still serve people who um, really haven't moved beyond that way of doing things. I do believe people will be using more image and voice search, um, be automatically presented with options based on their personal online identity. And then we have the emotions of an individual at a given point in time that can come into play. So how do emotions influence your buying engagement and your activity? Seven years seems like a long time, but in fact, it's going to be really fast. It's going to be personalized, but even more so than it is today, especially in terms of predictability. Excellent. So um, I thank you so much, Christy, for being my guest today. It has been the most insightful to learn more about AI and online shopping of the future. And uh, I do hope maybe one day FactFinder is going to be playing a role at Europa Park. I don't know how it's going to be, but maybe we have the chance to discuss that in the future after you've been of one of our great roller coasters. It was a truly great talking to you today. Thank you again. Yes, it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for the time and for the honor of having me on your show. Thank you all for listening today. Please tune in next time again to uncover more of what the world of tomorrow holds. Michelle Imbach presents The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. A Mac One production.